0: Dean, um, welcome back. Uh, You're in lockdown because you came up to Sydney. We're on the the 1st of July, beginning of the financial year. You've obviously in lockdown got plenty of time to have thought about the past 365 days and how it's worked in particular because you look at the small cap end of things. Can Can we start off looking at the IPOs that have gone on for the past 12 months? or that have come to market in the last 12 months?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, a really topical question, Chris, the the market's been in extremely active, as active as I can remember in, in the primary um, new issue um, market. There seem to have been deals every other week, and I guess with more deals, there's been more dispersions in outcomes that, you know, it's obviously always where these things It's buy, beware, and IPOs never have a a track record or you don't have a lot of time to really get to know the businesses. So you tend to fly a little bit blind in that respect. Um, there've clearly been some, some really, really good ones. Um, business like charging invested the other day, um, and, you know, it's trading a good premium air Tasker is up more than a hundred percent, um, on its IPO price. And then there've been, um, you know, very, very big cohort of disasters. You know, we saw a high profile one, Adore Beauty, which is trading well underwater. And probably the most high profile one is Newx, which I think is down about 60 or 70%. That was one of the largest, most hyped up high profiles IPOs of, of the last 12 months. So, as in any year, there's, there's um, lots of winners and some very, very big losers.
0: So how do you avoid the losers? I mean, the way we look at things, avoiding potholes and, and pitfalls is the best way to actually protect capital. But how do you go about that? I mean, you have all access to the numbers. You have access to the presentations and the pre, pre-IPO pitches. Um, what, what's your trick for avoiding them?
1: Um, look, I mean, there's never really a, a trick that means if you implement these, these aspects that you'll never, you'll never get one wrong. We've, we've got a number of wrong and a number of right as well. I think for us, it's not getting sucked into the excitement and hype of a certain sector that might happen to be flavour of the month. Um, you know, New is probably a top example. I wouldn't, wouldn't say we we're necessarily smart about that. We might have been lucky, but we looked at that business we saw a number of red flags for us, which, which would apply to any IPO. That is a big sell-down by our founders, uh, management that don't have big stakes in the business, very rich valuation on um, very, very modest profit numbers and revenues that were... Um, I wouldn't say optimistic, but we're high growth revenue numbers. So when we see those red flags, that really for us makes us quite reluctant to put money into a business like that. We really, we like putting money into IPOs where, where they're investing, they, they're using that money for growth or to make an acquisition, not to, for someone to exit. So um, that's sort of one that we, we were lucky or, or smart to avoid because of our conservative nature.
0: I think we'll give you the, uh, the benefit of the doubt and say that it's smart, so well done. Um, but I think it's, it, it's probably easier for you because you're able to pore over these things and you're an expert with lots of experience in that. It's much more difficult for the average investor or the private client who is, is being pitched by a broking firm, and I don't want to single out any broking firm, but the broking firm, or the underwriter is there to try and get this away. Um, So that that makes it um, a a really good reason to invest in a fund other than um, uh, taking your own sort of punt if you're a private investor. Um, But what what proportion of your assets are now in IPOs that listed, say, in the last 12 months?
1: Um, We've probably got about... Four out of 25 positions in, in in the market so what's that kind of you know like you know like um, 15 20 percent something like yeah. that just in terms of numbers uh, look it does change a lot um, you know we've we've had much larger proportions over time certainly IPO businesses that have done extremely well and then we've decided to um, you know liquidate or, or otherwise Um you know, what I would say with respect to individuals investing in IPOs versus funds is that, that we're, you know, we're in a fortunate position that we get to see a lot of them and, and it's much easier to select one or two that you like when you've been shown 20 or 30 versus selecting one or two from five that a broker has shown you. You know, that's one advantage is, is the breadth of, of offering and you can, you can compare a lot, lot more businesses to one another and decide which ones you like. Um, you know and secondly being the professional market you, you do have an insight as to as to how well they're going you know we t- speak to a lot of brokers around town we speak to a lot of other fund managers certainly in Melbourne I think the, the market's very uh, collegiate down here and so you have a, a sense also for, for for the demand for them for the hype which is you know not a super technical aspect but but it is important as to how these things list you know on the first. You know, days or months. And once a business has a bit of a momentum, that tends to carry through, certainly until they get, you know, some decent results on the board. So they're two advantages, I think, that, that we have that potentially our private investors don't always have.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true. Dean, looking at the rest of the portfolio um, and looking at the current environment, let's look at the rest of the portfolio first. Have you seen much sort of change in direction or? Movement in the portfolio over the past twelve months, as as the initial sell down uh, when COVID first hit, and obviously we had this amazing rebound uh, over the past uh, twelve to fourteen months. Has that changed what's in the portfolio for you or the way you approach it?
1: Not really. We've we've had a, a few businesses that have probably disappointed over the last year that we we've sold out of. Um, and then again, we've had some others that performed very well that have become larger parts of the portfolio that, you know, arguably we've also had to, to sell down a little bit just to manage the weightings. You know, what, what's what been tricky over the last 12 months is, is the volatility in the market. You know, we have had businesses that have performed, you know, from a share price perspective, much better than we could have ever expected. And we're not really even sure why. Like we don't sort of always confuse that with being smart. You know, we've maybe been a little bit lucky in some respects. Um, other businesses have fallen a lot further than we would have expected. Um, you know, certainly in the last month, you know, I think there's a bit of uh, tax loss selling that's come into some of these micro caps, which I don't think have really reflected the underlying performance of these businesses. So, you know, what's been hard is I, I think that the, the change in sentiment in the market, there's been a lot of volatility driven by, day traders and other sort of um, investors that don't always focus on the fundamentals and and the swings in share prices from a month to month basis has been made it reasonably hard to manage, or, albeit you know, over a long term, over the 12 months, our results have been, you know, slightly better than the overall market. So it's been a um, it's been a it's a good result, but it's been a very, very bumpy road to 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 get to the destination this financial year. Small
0: caps and, and mid caps have done much better than the underlying market over the past 12 months. That's not always the case, but it's been an incredibly strong 12 months, really. I think we've had one, one negative month in the last 12. Um, so do, do you just put that down to the fact that small caps do better in rising markets uh, than, than the bigger end of the market?
1: I think that's one aspect of it. I mean, I, I do think that, I mean, small caps are clearly riskier. They just don't have the integrity of their balance sheets and corporate governance and all those other things. But but probably what I put it down to is the fact that you've got a large cohort of new investors now that are, that are day trading or, or short-term trading the market, and they're not looking at making a quick buck out of NAB or West Farmers or you know, these other bigger, uh, yeah, less volatile stocks, they're looking, you know, down the curve. Um, everyone's on a lot of investor forums and you've seen, you know, the likes of Stockhead and Livewire and, and and these news sites that that are chasing the next big thing, you know, like everyone wants to be on the next afterpay or, or zip money or any of these, you know, hot stocks. And I, and I think that's where a lot of investors are uh, Putting their focus and where they're driving a lot of the short-term gains and volume in these these small to micro cap stocks, it's made that that end of the market very, um, very very active.
0: It it certainly shows through in our data where we look at if we just look at small to mid cap managers, uh, the average small to mid cap manager over the past twelve months has outperformed uh, the ASX two hundred. Accumulation Index by 10%, so 38% uh, to 28%. Now, 28%, <laughs> gee, that's that, that's pretty good. Um, this is to the end of May. Um, but, in fact, that's the same uh, because we've been in this strong market. That's true over all time periods going back sort of five, six years. Um, so that's certainly... A, a happy hunting ground and reinforces that argument from a lot of small mid cap managers that there is more opportunity outside the top one hundred large stocks or two hundred large stocks in the other two thousand odd stocks to to find uh, little gems. Is that yeah, still look, your your sort of feeling for it?
1: Yeah, it is. Look, I think what's happening from a, from a structural perspective is that in order to provide you know, produce excess return, one has really got to find information that is not broadly known by the market. And with the advent, you know, which has been a you know, factor for 10 years or more now of, of online trading, the fact that reports have got to be released to the market, that you've got the internet and PDFs can fly around almost instantaneously, that it's harder to find information that's, that's new and fresh that everyone else doesn't know about it. And so what it means is investors are having to move down the curve from the, the large businesses that have got very strong governance rules in, in terms of distributing information to the smaller ones that are maybe a little bit looser with all that sort of stuff. And you, you know, have more of an opportunity to read between the lines and find out exactly what's going on. And, and so that seems to be a continual race almost a race down the curve in order to be able to find businesses that are that are offering something that that other investors maybe don't know and which will will provide a bit of alpha for for um for people investing in them.
0: Well you've you've certainly benefited from that over the past year you've outperformed the ASX 200 over that 12 months to to May we we don't have June figures obviously as yet and since inception uh, the numbers I'm looking at are since inception versus the ASX of of 8%. So, you know, that's pretty close to double the ASX return. Um, So it, it sort of proves that you've been able to do that consistently over time. Just turning to the COVID impact where we're now back in lockdown in certainly in Sydney. Melbourne's just coming out of lockdown. You know, it's been a long time since Sydney and Melbourne have ever done anything in lockstep. So there's certainly certainly no change on that. You know, it's our turn now and, you know, hopefully you won't get your turn again. Um, uh, but how do you see the, the threat or, or the opportunity um, as sort of the economy gets tossed around by... Lockdown and restrictions, and the tourism market we were talking about earlier. Um, do you change? Uh, how nimble do you have to be, or do you just keep your stock selections based on the fact that you, you're very selective to start with?
1: Um, look, I think what we've seen is is the biggest COVID structural COVID shock has come and gone, and that was that was you know coming up on on 18 months ago where where this is all very new no one knew how it was unfold and how the economy would react and how governments would react and the like and what we've seen we've kind of bounced through that and so whilst all these shocks are difficult from a from a personal perspective economically i i think the market's proven that they just look through it that that you know both here and internationally we'll go into a environment where most people are vaccinated where worlds open up and whilst there might be short-term shocks that there will be you know they'll, they'll be um, you know tempered a little bit by by government spending if anything else so that's what i've seen is that the the markets tend to look through these things and so to be really you know reactive to be going oh look i oh, you know, Sydney and, and Queensland are going to lockdown. Let's go and buy some Kogan and Temple and Webster shares. Oh, okay, now it's all opening up. Let's go and buy some Webjet and Flight Centre. I think it's really kind of um, really reactive, and I, and I don't think that's a, a, a sensible way to make long-term returns. I think you've got to stick with your knitting, you know, find out those businesses that are going to be structurally impacted over the long term and maybe lighten off on those, work out ones that are going to see a little bit more opportunity and, and you know you're not going to get everything right every day but but if you if you see yourself through the cycle position well that that should mean you come out the other side in good shape
0: Dean I think you've proven you've been able to do that over the years uh, I'm sure you'll be able to do it going forward Good luck with the rest of your uh, your 14day lockdown um, uh, having been up to Sydney that's the danger of coming up to Sydney of course is you know, Um, You never know what's going to happen when you get back. It was
1: was worth every day of it, Chris.
0: (laughs) Look after yourself. uh, Stay safe. And we'll look forward to speaking soon. Many thanks for your time. You
1: too. Thanks for having me on, mate. Okay.
0: Cheerio.